There we go. We are live. I've got a button in the middle of my screen saying you are live. And I'm here today with uh, my friend and neighbor, Desiree Dupuis, although I'm not sure where you're living right now. Maybe we could maybe you could just start out by uh, telling us about that. But first of all, I just want to give just a quick introduction. Um, I got to know you through the Chamber of Commerce in Coquitlam and then uh, have been following along as you developed Ruben Shoes. And, uh, and now you're off onto a new venture. And then also, uh, I know from your posts on social media and stuff like that, that you follow a, a vegan lifestyle. We'll discuss the term in a sec here as well. <laughs> but um, anyways, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for joining me today. Yes, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And you are correct. I normally... My home residence is Port Moody, but with the whole COVID situation, I was going quite squirrely, living alone, and then working from home 24-7. I have realized that I am definitely officially an extrovert, so I need, <laughs> I need that human contact and connection. So I ended up um, calling in and bringing into my life uh, the ability to rent a room in a luxury house in West Vancouver, with about uh, eight other entrepreneurs and marketers. And yeah, we're kind of in this creative incubator right now in West Vancouver. So it's been, uh, it's been pretty fun, actually. That's cool. So were they there already or did you just bring them all together? Or how did that, how did that work? They were, they've been here for two months before me and they got a house with, I think, seven bedrooms, six bedrooms. And um, it was a few people that actually were running their own businesses in digital marketing in Bali. And because of COVID, ended up having to come home from Bali. And, and one guy is really brilliant. And he realized that probably a lot of the luxury homes in Vancouver would be vacant mm. and, and negotiated a really great deal on a house. And, and then they discovered that there's actually a two-bedroom suite uh, downstairs that hadn't even been used and so then two more rooms became available and I found out about it and yeah so I joined I joined the crew <laughs> that's cool it's, yeah it's uh it's funny seeing some of the pictures like you've got a funny in a, a cool way I mean you've got a pool and uh, it's a beautiful home just yeah yeah it's the life of luxury I literally start my day with 10 laps in the pool and a sauna and know my little workout and yeah it's been amazing for the mental health yeah it's been great yeah great that's awesome um so i just uh, the last time we spoke i talked to you and kelly i can never pronounce her last name strong and tharm how's that pretty good yeah yeah well <laughs> your done. best your best friend and someone that you started uh, a non-profit with called reuben shoes and um before we dive into other things, I thought maybe you'd just give us an update uh, about Ruben Shoes. What's going on at Ruben Shoes these days? It's some very exciting things at Ruben Shoes Society. So we, uh, you know, we started working in the Dominican Republic, helping provide education to impoverished children. It started uh, through us collecting shoes because in the Dominican and many other countries, children can't go to school without shoes. And it led to us um, taking over the operations of, of an elementary school. So over the past five years, we've seen our students grow up and um, start to age out of the elementary school. And so last year, we started construction on a secondary school for all of our young students who are growing up. And 
I just got photos today that I will post soon with updates on the construction. We now have bathrooms and toilets and uh, we're about 95% complete on the build of the secondary school. So um, it's a little bit up in the air with, you know, uh, with COVID about school. The school normally opens in August in the Dominican. So we're only a few weeks away and not sure if we will be opening fully to allow students to come to school or um, they ended the year last year with uh, online programming and learning, which actually they they, they accommodated pretty well. So, uh, yeah, and then our main flagship fundraiser, Ruben's Ruckus, we were able to convert to a fully live and online virtual event. And so every week, all of our participants are doing a different home obstacle challenge, and they've been really engaged in Ruben's Ruckus in, in a different uh, form this year. So, yeah, we're, we're doing really good. Cool. That's really cool. So the Rubens Ruckus is still going on. Is that uh, are people are people still able to participate in that? And what, well, what does that look like? Different. Typically, it's kind of like a mini Tough Mudder event just for kids. Yeah. So they they run three kilometers, and there's twelve obstacles all around the three kilometer course. So mm. uh, you know we are expecting six hundred racers with their friends and family. So a, an event that is a big festival with over a thousand people and. Wow. Originally, we kind of re we, it was supposed to happen in May, and with all the uncertainty with COVID, we weren't sure if we would be able to host it. But we were optimistic, so we rescheduled it to August. But then, evidently, you know, large events and gatherings just um, were not going to happen, and so then we decided to make the most of it for the 250 kids that had registered already. And like I said, yeah, we're doing, uh, and we had sponsors that were going to present a different live like obstacle at the actual race and mm -hmm. so we can't do the actual race with real obstacles we're doing home-based obstacle challenges so last week uh td presented their sidewalk chop obstacle so the kids had to draw their own like obstacle course outside using as many different elements shooting basketballs using their scooter uh the hopscotch on the sidewalk so again they get points for creativity and they wear their race bib and yeah, we're, we're, they're, they're pretty engaged and we're making the most of it. So we're uh, like everyone just kind of doing what we can given the, the situation. Yeah. I would imagine for kids, it's, it hasn't been too much of a stretch for them. Like a lot of them are probably used to kind of homeschooling recently and doing stuff online, right? So getting assignments and, and, and doing an online project, if you will, or something yeah. like that is probably not too much of a stretch at all. Not too much of a stretch, but hopefully a little bit more fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 sounds cool in the way that it um it's uh it's inviting them to be more creative and uh, and and how has the response been like in terms of when you've done it live? I mean, six hundred people that's that's incredible. That's awesome. Our six hundred kids participating. How 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 are the participation levels compared to yeah we weren't able to get um i think we we had about 10 percent growth from like the 250 that were originally registered so we're not going to get close to the the 600 that we had hoped for um but we're still like i said we had the kids registered so we're just trying to provide as much value and fun to all of our the kids that had registered but no normally it's like we get 7-Eleven Slurpee truck, we get Hippo Stock, the kids rock band, play music. It's like a full-fledged yeah. event. So that's the one thing with COVID. I mean, there's so many things that are 
you know, reinventing themselves. But in terms of large gatherings and festivals and events, I don't think there's any like technology that's really been able to replicate that kind of environment. Yeah. Yeah. So you've reinvented and who knows next year. <laughs> well, that's just it. With events, you kind of start planning, you know, like yeah. eight, nine, ten months out. And so we're yeah. already looking at starting to plan for 2021. And it's like, we just, yeah. <laughs> you had to shift pretty quickly on this one. Yeah, shift pretty quickly. And like I said, like normally it's in May. So I have no idea what things are going to be like for large events in Vancouver in May. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Well, the numbers have been a little bit worse lately and that who knows. And, and some of that may be due to us being outside and too close too much. So yeah, who knows? Hey? Yeah. Um, great. Well, thanks for the, the, uh, Ruben shoes update. I've, I've watched that one. I, I do some fundraising myself and have had a job as a fundraiser. And, uh, so it's been really cool to watch the success that you've had and kind of go from, nothing to where you are today pretty pretty quickly and and just a great job that you guys that you've done yeah that's a great cause too thank you yeah we're pretty passionate about helping children access education and empowering the next generation of leaders to create change for themselves so yeah yeah i'm I'm not sure if i still i must oh i know we did that we did that interview actually for another uh we did it for get inspired talks uh which is an ongoing podcast as well but i'll i'll try and dig that one up and put put it in the show notes so p- people can find out more with it in that interview we really got into the story of uh ruben shoes and and what a what a passion project it is it's, it's a, a real story of love <laughs> yes most definitely <laughs> yeah so we're gonna do two or three things today we i wanted to get a ruben shoes update and then wanted to talk about uh uh vegan veganism or a plant food <laughs> lifestyle diet whatever you want to call it and then talk about uh, your new your new company so let's let's shift to uh to eating vegan <laughs> and uh we had this discussion before we got online but let's repeat it and just uh tell people what that means to you what a you know and what term do you use and why yeah you asked me if you wanted to, if you wanted if i wanted you to refer to me as like vegan or plant-based and yeah I kind of, um, so my thoughts on that are vegan is definitely more descriptive. It encompasses, you know, your entire lifestyle, whereas plant-based is, is it can be a lifestyle as well, but it more directly talks about your diet. Um, so veganism is, or vegan is more descriptive, but in that same sense, I find that vegan, the term vegan, um, it's warming up a bit now, but I've always found that it has kind of like a negative connotation. It comes with a lot of like, Oh, you can't have this. It's very like eliminating, kind of like very negative. Um, whereas plant-based, I find it's a lot more accessible, a lot more inclusive, a lot more positive because you're starting from, you know, a, a base, a plant base, a base of as much plants as possible. But it also leaves room for people if they're just joining, um, you know, the, the plant-based movement and just trying to change their diet, it can be a little bit intimidating to go 100% vegan, which is literally, you know, like no animal products in your life whatsoever, to maybe a, a plant-based option, which is leave some room if you, like I said to you, like if, if your mom bakes cookies and there happens to be a bit of dairy in the cookies, you know, 
somebody, if you say you're vegan, someone's gonna be like, well, you can't have those cookies, but yeah. you say, hey, I'm trying to be as plant-based as possible, then maybe you can enjoy that cookie and not feel a sense of guilt for having, you know, like a tiny bit of dairy or something. So mm-hmm. yeah, those are kind of my thoughts. And, and vegan, like I said, is more of, you know, like I'm very mindful of the car that I buy because of the, the interior, like the seats, like I don't want leather in my car, and mm. the shoes that I buy and the scarves that I wear, I don't want to wear wool and, and stuff like that. So that is, that's taking veganism, you know, to the, to, to where, it, where it really is supposed to be. Yeah. There really are so many preconceived ideas. So the term is kind of important, I think. And uh, I'm sure if you told someone you're plant-based, they'd probably, some people would go, oh, you're a vegan kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think some people are looking at it as like synonymous, but I think yeah. there's definitely some distinct, I don't know, I prefer like, because sometimes when you say plant-based, it doesn't, they don't really understand the fact that it's like, no, I don't want to eat seafood. I don't want to eat dairy. I don't want to eat certain things so you you do have to use the term that's meant to to really define it which is vegan if you want to be vegan you have to use that term but i've always found like to be honest i've been vegan try to be vegan um vegan in my lifestyle for 12 years um i've gone between like vegetarian pescatarian and vegan in my diet Mm -hmm. um and i felt myself kind of embarrassed or ashamed to tell people that I'm vegan because I know immediately they're going to come up with like, cause there's been like, you know, people that are like really kind of like crazy or, you know, like just take it to the extreme and make people feel really uncomfortable for their choices or can be very judgmental. And, and so I, I just want people to, to be educated and to make the choices that are best for them. And hopefully with taking into consideration the environment and the other living beings on this planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as a marketer, I'm really mindful of how people change their minds, you know, and <laughs> you don't you don't change your minds by guilting or shaming people into things. And yeah. uh, I've always been not always, but I try to live my life according to uh, I just want to be a shining example of of what it is that I'm doing. And if people ask me, then I'll then I'll tell them, but I'm not out to convert anybody. But I, I get it as well. Like, um you know, once you do your research, there's some pretty compelling reasons to, to do something, you know, for me, it was a a health reason. My cholesterol was high. I thought I was healthy. I thought I was eating a healthy lifestyle. I was even advocating sort of a Mediterranean, Mediterranean sort of keto type of diet and, and that sort of thing. And, um, and my cholesterol was very high doing that. And uh, it, it, what, I, I mean, I wasn't following, I wasn't, as, I wasn't eating as healthy as I could be. So it's, I, can't, I can't blame it on that. Right. But um, we're, we'll see. Like I, I went to my doctor, actually went to two doctors. My doctor sent me to a cardiologist. I did a stress test. And they both right away just um, recommend, you know, prescribed medication and uh i just don't want to do that i'm just so anti-medication so i said to my my personal doctor i just said uh well give me give me a few months or give me a month or so and let me see what i can do so next week i'm going to go for a a blood test and we'll 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 see if it hasn't if it hasn't had an impact and i'm pretty sure that it has on my cholesterol then i will i'll I'll take i'll take medication for a while but because i yeah so that's kind of my own thing. And then I did some, 
I did some research as well. I watched probably some of the same movies that, that you've watched, some of the same documentaries, and uh, that really pushed me over the edge. I mean, when I think that's kind of the, the, the main reason why I don't, I'm not sure that I will eat anything <laughs> I, I'm not sure that I'll eat meat again. <laughs> yeah, I know. After watching some of those documentaries, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty eye-opening and it's pretty horrifying to think of what these sentiment, you know, feeling needs are, are put through just for human consumption. So yeah, it's definitely like my driving force is is the animals and the ethical side of it. Um, when I read the book, I read in 2008, and it contained a lot of graphic information on slaughterhouses and and how that piece of chicken ends up on your plate. I I was with Kelly at the time and both of us were horrified and we haven't eaten meat since, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. You so went to a slaughterhouse? I'm sorry, I missed that a little bit. You went to a slaughterhouse? No, I was reading a oh. book and like- Oh, a book, one, okay. The one chapter just contained like, just absolutely the most graphic information that you could read. And this is in 2008, so this is before all the documentaries that you've seen on Netflix and what have you. Um, and just reading it and having those images in my head, um, yeah, it was just horrifying. And I made Kelly read it, and uh, she was horrified as well. And she's yeah. an huge animal. We're both like she definitely is a, was a is a huge animal lover, even more so than me. And um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's part. I, that's a compelling reason for a lot of people. It's funny, you know. I, I earlier in the year, I thought I just want to be kinder to the earth, and at that time, I had no idea that this would be one of the ways in which uh, you that, would, that would happen for me, right? I put it out there and here's here's one of the answers. <laughs> you set your attention and it, it's delivered to you. Yes. So how, how have you been feeling? I feel good. I have a little bit of, uh, I have an inner ear problem. So that kind of messes me up, you know, like I I think I'm feeling better, but um, it's, it's hard to know. So I'm really looking forward to the blood test because the, it it affects my uh, my thinking and my fatigue. The ear the ear thing does, and it's not nutrition based at all. It has something to do with crystals in my inner ear. It sounds kind of weird, but it's I've been to a specialist, and that's what they diagnose. So, Fair <laughs> but, enough. yeah, but like in terms of uh, no afternoon energy crashes, and um, you know I. I, I wasn't at my ideal weight before I wasn't, I wasn't far off, but now I'm, I'm very close to where I want to be. And, um, yeah, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I said to you in the beginning, I'm like, oh, it seems like you look a bit leaner and, uh, yeah. that's always doing, a good thing. Doing the crunch two or three times a week too, you know, that. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, so was it that book that really, what, what was the main impetus for you to, to go to eat plant-based or vegan? <laughs> yeah, it was 100% that book. It was called okay. Skinny Bitch. And it just had a lot of like really upfront information about nutrition. And one of the biggest, it was written by two vegan women. Uh, the authors were, were two vegans in 2008. And um, like I said, the, the information was just so much that you couldn't turn a blind eye to it anymore. And Mm -hmm. my brain just like switched like I no longer saw chicken the same way I just saw chicken I never like steak I immediately would just see like a dead cow and like my heart would just like feel so much empathy for that cow and like all the cows and the process that they go to go through um and yeah I think just having my best friend and business partner on the same journey really 
helped to amplify that because we were our values were just so much in line and and we obviously had the two of us would like be there for each other because in the beginning people think it's either just you know like a phase or something you'll grow out of or like it's they ask they think it has to do with willpower or you know like strength like don't you want this like steak it looks so good and it's like yeah. trust me i do not have very much willpower if i wanted to eat something i would eat it i just <laughs> like yeah. horrified by the thought of what that actually is so yeah. yeah it does it does help to have someone on the journey with you hey like kathleen was not i don't think she was all that impressed at first <laughs> the well i think she was concerned about the not taking the medication that was recommended and then she loves, uh, she loves meat. She loves steak and stuff like that. But you know, she's only had it two or three times since I started this, and uh, yeah. I just always make a little bit extra of what I've been making. And uh, she's she's somewhat on board, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's just it. I think it's just you know, like your habits and what you're used to, and change for a lot of people is very difficult. I'm lucky to be a person that I actually really welcome change I to just like change things up spike it up and do something different but I also was not a very big eater. like I've always been interested in nutrition I pretty much had a plant-based diet before where I ate a lot of fruits and vegetables whereas Kelly was the opposite like she was the meat and potato kind of girl and she even right before I told her to read the book she didn't even read the book she read like three pages of the book on the slaughterhouse part and 10 minutes earlier had said i'm never gonna not eat meat like it's you know it's my only diet and and then she was horrified and and anyways when she stopped eating meat she noticed a huge change in her digestive system and uh, her energy hmm. yeah excellent yeah. have you heard of the book the blue zones and and dan butner no i haven't Oh, okay. It's, it's fantastic. So he's a, he's a national geographic fellow and he, um, he's, he was this incredible adventurer and stuff like that. He set three world records. He rode his bike from, from North to South in Africa, went across the Sahara desert and almost died while they, he was doing this with four other people. But anyways, oh. he got interested in the areas of the world where people live the longest yeah. And they did this oh, really okay. I heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, he did a really comprehensive study and what I really appreciate about his work is it wasn't just about the diet, you know, it was about I think some of the things that you probably have in your life is is having a strong community and having purpose in life and uh you know these things factored in as much as the diet. But in these in these zones they eat about 95% plant-based. You know, they may have five you know they have a bit of meat once in a while but primarily it's 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 plant-based and uh so it, he's been really influential on me and what I, what I like about his approach too is he says there's no silver bullet in terms of health uh he calls it silver buckshot like there's there's other principles that you have to have right. yeah, in, yeah in your life so I, I thought that was really cool yeah <laughs> i mean at the end of the day i don't think there can be any argument against as eating as much whole food from the earth as possible. Yeah. So unprocessed, like a, like you know, like eating fruits, eating vegetables, eating salads, eating nuts, eating grains. Like you can't yeah. argue against eating whole foods. Right, and he makes that point too. He talks about the paleo 
you know, the paleo diet. And they, they argued that as well. Like, and, and, uh, that, uh, they, they made the whole food argument as mm-hmm. just how good those things are for us too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it doesn't really work if you just go from like eating meat to just eating a whole bunch of processed vegan food. You know, I don't think that's going to help. I think it's right. going to like as whole foods as possible, which hopefully are primarily plants and nuts and, and what have you. Sure. Yeah. And you've probably met unhealthy vegans as well, right? <laughs> they, uh, yeah, definitely. They like, still just like, kind of eat whatever they want. They just don't eat meat. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like people are like, oh, like, you know, there's so much hype about Beyond Burger and a lot of the anti-vegans that are like, yeah, Beyond Burger is good for you. And it's like, it's not supposed to be good for you. It's an alternative if you don't want to eat meat, but you still want to go to AMW or like whatever. And you just want to have some fast food. Um, it's vegan fast food. It doesn't mean you should eat it every day. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, let's move on to uh, Vos and Co. <laughs> Vegan fashion. Did I say that right? How do you pronounce the first? Yeah, Vos and Co. Vos and Company. Yeah. I'll just read that your tagline. Ethical, sustainable, 100% plant-based vegan shoes and accessories. At Vos, we stand for love. So I want to ask you about that, but <laughs> maybe you could just tell us a little bit about the, the Vos and co vegan fashion story. Where did the, where did the idea first come from? The idea has been in my mind for many years because when I first adopted the vegan lifestyle as a woman who loves shoes, that was one of the places that I kind of struggled was not buying leather or suede shoes. Mm. And uh, so I basically have shopped at one shoe store for the last 10 years, which is spring. And they've totally jumped on the vegan bandwagon now. Um, but they've always been vegan just because they're like the cheap knockoff to Aldo. So when Aldo is selling their leather and suede shoes, uh, spring is, is selling the cheaper versions, uh, non-leather, uh, you know, vegan, which they didn't have vegan on their labels before, but now they have vegan on their labels because they just happen to be vegan because they're cheap. Um, but anyway, so that's been the only store that I've really been able to shop at. And I've just, yeah, for the last four years, just really realized there's a huge just gap in the marketplace for nice women's shoes. And now with the whole sustainability movement, climate change, you can't ignore the fact that we need to take care, better care of the earth. And so what I found is that opting out of animal products, um, you know, you're but you're now purchasing products that are have harmful ingredients for the planet. So like I said, you know, spring, yes, their shoes are vegan because they're the cheap knockoffs from Aldo, but they're made of uh, PVC or a polyurethane, a, a PU material, which essentially is petroleum and plastic, which is extremely harmful for the environment. And so not only am I trying to find non-animal shoes, now I'm trying to find non-animal shoes that are also sustainable. And that is impossible to find in the marketplace, especially uh, in terms of like, nice shoes so yes you can find canvas shoes um you know running shoes there's a lot of companies that are creating shoes um, from sustainable material but they're not pretty and so that's kind of where this all started in my head about four years ago Mm. and then over the last yeah like 12 to 24 months just the way the vegan movement the plant-based movement has gotten so much steam and like i said you know reebok came out of like their corn shoe um, native shoes they're doing like a 
fully uh, full cycle kind of plant-based shoes that can be biodegradable. And I just realized that like the time is now and uh, there still isn't that option in the market for, yeah, like a plant-based designer type of shoe. So that's the inspiration for Bose & Co. Uh, and it will be a very nice shoes for women that are made uh, from plants, ideally. I'm looking at cactus leather and pineapple leather right now, uh, potentially cork as a material. So yeah, all, they're all definitely 100% ethical and as sustainably made as possible. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So you've just been, it sounds like you've just been sourcing stuff. And I read in one post getting ready for today that uh, you were really uh, possibly getting ready to to make your own or have your own shoes made. And, yeah. I mean, uh, COVID, COVID kind of put a wrench in that. That's right. Yeah. So in January, I was uh, starting to get everything together. And February, I hired a private label manufacturer in Midtown Manhattan in New York and sent them my deposit, sent them the designs for the first prototype sample. And uh, they started working on that. And then March came and COVID came and uh, New York shut down. So um, everything kind of went to a standstill uh, for the creation of my first prototype shoe, which is a Chelsea boot. And, um, but luckily recently they reopened. And so now um, about two months away, potentially, and we've ordered the cactus leather for the first uh, for the first prototype sample. So I should have something in my hands uh, in the next two months. And then once that's finalized, I'll be uh, ready to sell that to customers uh, that want a plant-based, vegan, ethically made, sustainable Chelsea boot. Cool. So cactus leather, it's made out of cactus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a company okay. called Deserto with some guys from Mexico. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so what about the sole? The, so the upper part, is that that's cactus or what about the sole? What, yeah, what so the sole could potentially also be cactus or okay. um, cork. Um, there's, I'm looking at hemp or yeah. possibly bamboo. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a few different options. Mm. It seems like hemp and bamboo has been around for a while. You know, you see... Especially hemp, I've I've seen. It seems like I've seen hemp clothing available for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So we'll see. I'm still, yeah. I'm just finalizing that first sample product, and okay. once it's perfected, the whole world will hopefully know about it soon. <laughs> That's great. What it's hard to predict, I guess, these days. But what, what? When do you anticipate having something that would be ready for for market? Yeah, I mean, originally I was hoping now I would be selling my boots, um, but I'm hoping now, like, for Christmas. Sure. Yeah, Christmas would be a good time. Yeah. <laughs> seems like Christmas would, seems like Christmas would be a good time for a, for a product launch. <laughs> yeah, it definitely would be great as a gift um, for women from their from whoever, or even just for themselves to treat themselves. But um, yeah, so hopefully by fall. You know, latest like November, December, I'll have boots available for sale. But yeah, you never know. Like we said earlier, it's you think we're getting through things, and then all of a sudden we get all these bursts of cases over the weekend, and it's like, oh well, wait a minute, are we? Yeah, what's what's gonna happen? So, so how daunting of a project 
is it to come up with your own fashion line? Is it, are you, are you taking the attitude sort of a just crawl, walk, run, like get one, one or two products together and then just go from there? What's, what's been your approach to this? Yeah, that's exactly my approach. Um, I'm, I'm bootstrapping it all myself. I am, I'm going to have one small investor. Um, I'm going to start with a small amount of inventory, but that's why I'm just starting with the one Chelsea booth, the one look, the one design. And as I, I get some loyal fans and customers that want to add a heel and a flat and another, you know, like there's a certain number of, of styles and shoes that a woman needs in her closet. So I'll eventually start to add those on, but I want to have proof of concept. You know, I want to, I want to know that there's other people than like, I know I have one buyer, like at the end of the day, if I have one super expensive pair of shoes that doesn't go anywhere that I've kind of basically created for myself, then, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, so hopefully the, the market reacts and uh, a lot of women want, want to purchase my boots and then, yeah, we'll expand the line and go from there. But to be honest, like I said, like I've had this idea in my head for four years and it was very daunting in the beginning because I wanted to create and design and manufacture my own line of shoes. And I talked to different people. I talked to the guys at Fluvog and they told me it would be very expensive. I'd have to go to Italy and I'm kind of given negative feedback from anyone I talked to and had no idea where to start or how to do it. Yeah. Um, so it sat in the back of my mind for a good two to three years before, like I said, last summer when I realized that this vegan movement, plant-based movement is really here to stay. And um, I really want to have a product that I can offer to this market before before it becomes too late for me. Um, and then luckily, yeah, through research, I, I found this private label company in New York that basically all I had to do was give them the design and they they help with everything. And, and then also like this past year, actually finding and um you know finding these plant these materials like when i first had this idea in my head like cactus leather was not you know on the market like that wasn't even a concept so yeah yeah right on but i think everything in my life even with ruben shoes you know like we never thought about oh my gosh like how are we going to send fourteen thousand pairs of shoes in a like export used goods to third world country we just started with like hey let's collect 10 pairs of gently used shoes and sure enough, we'll be able to find a way to get those over to the Dominican. And then it just one, like we never tended to build a secondary school or take over the operations of an elementary school it was kind of just one foot in front of the next. And then, you know, years later, here you are. So yeah, kind of the yeah. Same. one foot in front of the next and just research and get started along the way, just research and you'll know when it's time to, yeah dive in and get started hey well yeah that's just it and like i think what something that a lot of people do is that they're afraid of like failure or like afraid of looking bad so they they are like they're very shy to like share their ideas where mm-hmm. um you know my business coach started calling me like a vegan fashion designer and i had like no choice <laughs> but to embrace that and start sharing that with the world and so now everybody knows that people are connecting me with other people or asking me about it or sharing resources. So yeah, I always tell people like, if you have an idea, the best thing you can do is actually start to talk about that idea and tell people about it because mm. then you become accountable and then you also start to attract things into your life that can help with that idea too. So right. That, yeah, yeah. That's, that's great advice. Do you feel like things, once you started talking about it, that things did sort of 
that the universe responded and things things came in came from the from yeah. the outside. Yeah. Absolutely. That's how I found that private label in New York. Like for years, yeah. I had no idea where to go to even start to figure out how to design a pair of shoes. And and then within a few weeks or like a month or two of actually talking out loud to people that I was creating, like I was talking about creating a line of shoes before I even had, you know, a manufacturer or like a design. And that really helped kind of enable that, that movement forward for me, for sure. How about shoe design? Are you just kind of going with something that you, you like yourself or yeah. have you had some help with that? Yeah. No, just basically everything is really designed for me. <laughs> like, like you said earlier, if, if you, you, you know, you'll have one buyer, right? <laughs> I have one customer at least. So yeah, no, it's just like the shoes that I already pretty much have in my closet, the like day to day, everyday Chelsea boot style shoes that I wanted to replicate in, um, yeah, I'm not reinventing anything crazy. It's just really the same style of boot, but in um, made it a much more ethical and sustainable way. Right. Well, yeah. as I heard, I heard one person say his 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 marketing advice actually was, you know, he's kind of saying screw having avatars and all that kind of stuff. He says, would you buy it? <laughs> you know, yeah. sell yeah. sell. The, I think there's limits to that for for certain for certain things, but. Um, it's, it's probably not bad advice starting out and, and, you know, you could, you could start there and then eventually see, see where the market goes. Like I'm sure, but again, they would be people like you in a way, you know, looking at what, what appeals to a, a plant-based whole food or a vegan market. Uh, you, you already kind of know that <laughs> that's you, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I am the ideal client. Sure. Um, and if other women that aren't necessarily vegan, but want to be a bit more conscious with their purchases, then uh, hopefully I will appeal to them as well. Or, and even anyone that just wants a really kick-ass, gorgeous boot. Yeah. 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 Who cares what the fabric is or whatever. Yeah. And then yeah. I know that I'm doing good because it's like, oh, hey, by the way, like you get this awesome boot, but you also didn't have to harm any animals. And, and, and uh, yeah, or doing it in a more sustainable way so i like your tagline i don't know if i read this part at vos we stand for love and i was curious i thought what does that mean so you know just looking at your vos and co instagram account i have a feeling i know what you're you're trying to say there but what does that mean to you i always describe veganism as a movement based on love and compassion because mm -hmm. really at the end of the day when you're choosing a vegan lifestyle you're choosing to love animals you're choosing to love planet you're choosing to love yourself um and so that's like why i say we stand for love and all those different forums and when 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 a customer or client comes to goes and makes a purchase and becomes you know a, a brand a loyal brand owner it's i want them to feel surrounded by warmth and love like i just want it to all be like a very positive loving compassionate place for somebody to shop and um for them to wear the brand so yeah, and I just, I wanted to stand for kindness, you know, with the whole um, movement now with Black Lives Matter. Like, I, I want to support anything that I can that allows people to to give love and receive love and be loved um, through through the, 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 the shoes that I'm going to start with. And then eventually it will be a complete lifestyle, lifestyle brand with potentially much more than shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so... Looking into your crystal ball in 10 years, where would you like to see Vos and Co. vegan fashion be? 
in 10 years from now, what would yeah. you call be the epitome of the vegan lifestyle? So I see it as what Lululemon has done for health and wellness, mm-hmm. what we will do for veganism and the vegan lifestyle. So I have my logo has like a certain symbol, which is an emblem, kind of like, you know, like a Lululemon emblem or like a Starbucks emblem. And when you see that emblem, you will know, okay, that this, this person has this set of values and they follow a vegan lifestyle and it's going to be a worldwide phenomenon and yeah, it, it will represent the vegan lifestyle. Awesome. Bring it on. <laughs> I love it. That's great. So I can't wait for the interview in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I'll check for sure. Well, I'll keep checking in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Seeing, seeing how it's going. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, thank you for joining me over the years. I think this is our third interview or something like that. So I know uh, you're fine. <laughs> I appreciate you, you showing up and, and being a guest from time to time. Well, great. And, and thank you for all you do. Like, you know, uh, like I say, I love what you're doing with Ruben's shoes and uh, <laughs> your veganism made me uncomfortable at times. You know, I was one of those people at, at Rib Fest and you... <laughs> would always make a comment about your annual comment about the fest. But uh, now, now I know why I have a better understanding of why you make, made those kind of comments, but <laughs> um, how can people find out more information about what you're doing? And what will, we'll, if people are listening on iTunes or on another platform, we'll put these in our show notes, but how can people find out more? Yeah, definitely. I think Instagram seems to be the, the forum of choice for most of us nowadays. So you can find me. So Vos is V-O-E-S and then underscore and and then underscore po. Um, if you just search my name, Desiree, D-E-S-I-R-E-E, Dupuy, D-U-P-U-I-S, uh, you can follow my personal account or if vegan fashion appeals to you or the vegan lifestyle appeals to you, then definitely the Vos and Co. And then uh, for the philanthropy charitable side, if you feel compelled to follow along that journey and fundraise or donate with us, then uh, it's just R-U-B-E-N-S shoes. So Ruben shoes on uh, Instagram. And then all of those have .com. So rubenshoes.com, uh, bosoncompany.com. Um, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. If you Google my name, it's uh, a little bit creepy, but <laughs> I am easy to find. So Yeah, you've got a unique name. So it's probably very Googleable. Google, yeah. Google. I don't even know what the word is, but yeah. Googleable, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm sure it's an actual word nowadays. <laughs> Thanks, Desiree. Yeah, thank you so much for the time and for always including me and following along. And I, I'm sorry, but not sorry for the uncomfortable posts. <laughs> I am now a champion and a voice for animals, and it is my my duty to voice some of those opinions. So, yeah. You haven't, you didn't block me. So that's, that's gotta be an okay thing. (laughs) No, it was, it was perfectly fine. It's like, I I knew you outside of that, right? When you have a relationship with a person, it's like, it's different when you, when you hear those things from them. And I'm sure I post some things sometimes as well that make people feel a little bit uncomfortable, but yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Every time I hear somebody say, you know, like, I, I've, I'm adopting a vegan lifestyle and you've inspired me. That makes me continue to want to do what I'm doing. I had several people when I post a request decide not to go to the festival, which made me very happy. So that inspired me to continue to, to share and to hopefully educate people one by one. So, yeah, I heard recently, I know we're trying to wrap up, but, um, 
yeah, I heard someone recently say, and these are the, these are the things that vegans say, but, uh, you know, uh, a pig has the intelligence of a three-year-old child, you know, and when you watch some of the documentaries that we've just alluded to throughout this interview, um, and you see how pigs are raised and especially in the factory farms where they stand in their own filth and urine and all that kind of stuff and realize that they're, they're such intelligent, they're intelligent social beings, you know, it's, it's really sad. And that kind of makes you that, you know, after seeing that, it would be hard to go to, to rib fest and kind of celebrate ribs, you know, <laughs> impossible for me now. <laughs> Good. <I'm glad. laughs> There you go. Now we just have to get the other like thousand people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, Rod. Okay. Take care. Okay. Ciao.